people, I would say to you that I am learning and growing to um, listen uh, to the voice of the Holy Spirit. So the, the nudging of the Holy Spirit in my daily life. And I've been, over the last years and even over the last weeks and days, making a concerted effort to sort of incline my ear more to the daily whisperings and guidance of the Spirit in my life. And so anyway, I'm sitting up here in the front row and I begin to just feel the Holy Spirit sort of nudge uh, my heart that uh, before I teach on the gifts of the Spirit, He wanted to, me to share a couple or speak over a few people. So can I do that? I'm going to take a little risk here, get out of my comfort zone. Uh, but I turned around when Abby and I were sitting right here and I saw Valya. And she's here with her family and her beautiful little girl and they're from uh, the Ukraine. And Valya, I wanted, can I speak something over you? Um, what I just had this sense of is your move back to the United States or your move to the United States is not a demotion, it's a promotion. And in God's economy, I know there's painful things back home, and in God's economy, He is using this to actually increase the influence of your ministry, and this is part of His supernatural plan to build a platform for you from which your influence and the influence of your marriage and family will stand. So I just heard so, um, just so clearly that this is his purpose and his hands, and he has not forgotten your prayers. He has not forgotten your people. So, David, will you put your hand on Valya, and I'm just going to pray for her. Lord Jesus, we want to bless Valya this morning. Lord, we want to bless her ministry, her husband, her daughter, Lord, the Ukraine. Father, we cry out to you, and by faith as a family we agree that you have promoted her and you have called her here. And this is part of your building of the platform for her ministry. In the great name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thanks for bearing with me. I was also sitting up here and uh, the Lord just sort of impressed upon my heart something about my dear brother-in-law David. I'm going to embarrass him and he's going to punch me later. I'll be at Dr. Luke's with you later, so you can tackle me into the pool, no doubt, so uh, stand by for that. But I was sitting up here, David, can I give you a word? And I just felt the Lord so impressed upon my heart that you are a father. You're a father. You carry the anointing of a father, and you're called the father of generation. And I heard him say that you're a pastor. You're a shepherd. I'm not talking vocationally. I'm talking gifting. I'm talking who you are. And you have uh, people around you respect you so much more than you're even aware of, look to you for guidance, look to you for leadership, and I think he's promoting you. Similar, similar thing. I think he's promoting you. He's promoting your influence in the Spirit. And I want to call you to sort of be open-handed as he puts this almost like mantle on you to shepherd and to lead. You're a father, man. I love you. A couple of you guys put your hands on David. But Jesus, we just want to bless David. Lord, we bless his uh, marriage to Anna, his children. Lord, we pray that his little ones would walk powerfully with you. Lord, we agree with you that you're promoting David, that you've called him to be a father, you've called him to be a pastor, a shepherd, that people look to him with great respect. Father, we praise you for his walk. We pray that you'd increase his hearing and his sense of intimacy with you. And Holy Spirit, we invite you and we authorize you to be moving throughout this house, moving in all of our hearts. In the great name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And then I had one last one. Jim and Margot, can I speak something over you guys? Um, 
I just love you too, first of all. And I just want to say, your, your sort of demeanor and your marriage shines Jesus. And I heard God say that he is going to be doing some new things in your marriage, greater intimacy, and that will result in greater influence of couples younger than you. And I also heard him speak something over your girls, that they are powerful, powerful in the spirit. They are called, they are marked, and they're going to walk with him. So will you guys, a couple of you put a hand on them. Lord Jesus, we just pray over Jim and Margo. Lord, we pray over their family, their girls, Lord Jesus. Father, we agree with you that you are increasing just your intimacy and your presence in their marriage and their family. And Lord, we agree that their girls are marked and called and destined with a purpose. God, we bless what you're doing in them and through them. In the great name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So if I'm really honest, uh, historically I have really struggled with some of the gifts of the Spirit. Can I just say that? Because it gets messy. And sometimes you can't control it. And it's really easy for me, we're heading towards 1 Corinthians 12 if you have your Bible, but it's really easy for me to grab onto gifts like service and mercy and evangelism. And then it gets a little harder when you get into the more supernatural gifts of prophecy or tongues or healing. And, you know, I, I would not usually at this point in a, in a message bring out my, uh, my, my sort of word picture, but I want to do it this morning. Um, but I brought with me a baby's bathtub. You know what one of these is? You know, you, uh, you, you set it in, usually you set it in the sink. You can also set it in your actual bathtub. But, you know, a baby makes a big mess all over themselves, and maybe their diaper is leaked everywhere, and it's this big you know, nasty thing, and, and you, you know, you put this, I usually like it like that in my sink, but I remember putting my kids in one um, like this, and you take a little sprayer, and you know, you're washing them down, and all of a sudden, you have a beautiful, clean baby, and you have a bathtub that's just full of all kinds of nastiness. And, and the trick in that moment is sort of getting a towel on your hand and kind of taking your baby, and you're always supporting their head, you know, I was always kind of nervous, but you're taking your baby, and you're, you're putting the baby in in your hand, and then you're trying to dump the, the bath water out and then put it back down and put the baby back in the bathtub. Hence the old saying, throw the baby out with the bath water. Don't throw the baby out with the bath water. I'm glad you enjoyed that also. But one of the things I want to bring this morning is just some even vulnerable areas where I have at times, as it relates to spiritual gifts, thrown the baby out with the bathwater and how the Lord Jesus has been gently bringing me back into a place where I can embrace all of them. And I think one of the beautiful things about what God has called Myrtle Grove to historically and in the future is to be a church where we embrace all of the Scriptures. We walk in all of the Scriptures. We do so with balance. We do so with love. We do so powerfully. It's so much easier to sort of cut out some of the Scriptures and just use the ones that we like because they don't make a mess. And I've been even doing some repenting, if I can be totally vulnerable. Because God has a unique call on this house, a unique DNA on this house. And I heard Him speak early this morning that the greatest days of Myrtle Grove are ahead and not behind. That we have been called to change the course of history of little Wilmington, North Carolina. And I believe he is raising up a group of people here in this house that are going to walk so powerfully. And I think he's called us to learn how to steward that carefully. So, um, 
you know, you guys probably even know what I'm saying. You, you, I have a charismatic background, but if you've ever been in a meeting and maybe somebody's yelling or laughing or falling down, it can be offensive sometimes, even to your flesh. It's like, oh, what are they doing? You know, I've even done some of that. But yet it can be, it can be scary because it's like, what is going on? And one of the things that I, I did just even in sermon prep, and I've studied this before, but there was actually something in church history that happened between John Wesley and George Whitfield. I've even referenced it up here from the stage before, but it so marked my own heart and my own development. But if you know anything about Wesley and Whitfield, uh, they were both great um, revivalist pastors. They really influenced uh, Great Britain. And then they actually came to the United States and were part of the Great Awakening. And one of the things that happened was that Wesley came to Whitfield and actually sort of busted his chops and said, man, there's all these manifestations that happen in your meetings. People fall down and people laugh and people go crazy. And, you know, you need to stop doing what is patently of the flesh, if not of the devil. That's what Wesley said to Whitfield. And Whitfield looked back at him and he said... Um, if, I'm going to quote this, if you try to stamp out the wildfire and remove what is false, you will equally stamp out, you will equally and simultaneously remove what is real. Let me say that again. Whitfield replied, if you try to stamp out the wildfire and remove what is false, you will equally and simultaneously remove what is real. One has to let things be. It was a few years later, but Wesley eventually acquiesced and agreed that you have to let things be. And eventually he saw similar things in his meetings. But that has so marked me because in my own life I fight, or I think even as a church we often fight for control, don't we? We want stuff that we can manage and put it in a little nice box and put a bow on it and be done with it. And sometimes Holy Spirit works in our lives in ways that we can't always manage and we certainly can't control you guys know what i'm talking about and honestly more and more i'm coming to the place where it's like holy spirit will you move in our marriage in our life in our family and in our larger family and we give you the reins we want to see you move in this house so before we uh well, you know what let's do this let's go ahead and read first corinthians 12 and then i want to set the table with a few things um, and then we'll actually talk about some of the gifts as we uh, move towards the end of our service. But let's read 1 Corinthians 12, and let's start in verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. I love the unity. You already see it right from the beginning. Such unity in the Spirit. Verse 5, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Such unity. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Just make a note, not for self-promotion. I heard somebody say something once, and it so impacted me, but he said, you're never more like Jesus than when you humble yourself. And you're never more like Satan than when you elevate. written in my Bible. Remember that, Michael. <laughs> Verse 8, To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers 
to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Lord Jesus, would You open these Scriptures to us? Holy Spirit, as You're living Your life in us, would You enliven our minds and our hearts to grasp all that You're saying here? And would You project us forward in the Spirit? In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I want to set the table with a couple of things before we actually talk to talk about some of the gifts of the Spirit. But I want to say first that a gift of the Spirit is received. It's a gift. It's not earned. You can't earn a gift of the Spirit. It's a, it's a, it's a gift that is received from heaven. You can't do anything to lose it. Sometimes I struggle with that because you see immature people or even people living in sin and yet they still have those gifts. How is that? You receive that gift from heaven and it's yours. You know, we have this mindset and we sort of elevate certain spiritual gifts over other spiritual gifts. And one of the things I even say to Abby at times is just because I stand up here or certain people stand up here or the worship team or whoever it is, people tend to think we're more spiritual. I'd say not so. We might be less sometimes. But a spiritual gift is received. It is not earned. And I think it's important to understand what our spiritual gifts are because for me it's kind of like the foundation of a house. Um, I sort of think of it like this. We have our identity in Christ, so as sons, as daughters, as heirs. And sort of on top of our identity you have your unique gifting. And then as you sort of go up after your gifting you have your unique calling. A lot of young people will ask me, what am I called to do? I even have older people. What am I called to do? Part of discovering that calling is getting your identity with God straight Getting your, understanding your gifting, your spiritual gifts, and then that calling sort of emerges out. So I didn't want to make a, a packet available, but I'm going to email you something Monday or Tuesday that'll just sort of review some of these spiritual gifts, and you can even look through them. There's even a little test you could take to go, what might some of my spiritual gifts be? But another point is God does not wait until we arrive to activate our gifts. You follow me? God does not wait until we arrive to activate our gifts. He actually activates our gifts and He matures us as we walk with Him in the power of those gifts. So for example, if I had to wait until I arrived, I'd never get to preach. If I had to wait until I arrived, I'd never get to counsel anyone or meet with anyone or lead anything because I haven't arrived. There's days I look in the mirror and go, dog, on it, I am so immature and I don't even know what I don't know. But thankfully, God does not wait until we've arrived before He gives us these gifts and He calls us to walk in them. And one of the things that I am praying and even working with my teams behind the scenes to do is how can we build a culture here at Myrtle Grove where it's okay to fail? My kids did not learn to ride a bike the first time. Do you all know that? Abby and I were out in the street with them and she'd hold the seat and run and then I'd hold the seat and run and, you know, we're going. And when you let go, it always happens. Right? My kids didn't learn to ride a bike the first time. I don't see that any of us are going to learn to walk in gifts like prophecy or healing and nail it the first time. Do you? 
You know, I think what he's called us to is to sort of create a place where it's safe to step out of our comfort zone, to begin to exercise and experience the gifts that he's giving us, to even test, Lord, is this you? Have you given me this gift? But as a house, we sort of have to agree and go, okay, we're going to create a place, we're going to create an environment where we so love and we so encourage, and we're not afraid to say, "Ah, I think that might have been wrong, I think you might have missed it there, but we're not going to reject you and send you home. See, part of the thing, one of the things we have to do as a family is sort of agree that this is going to be a safe place where people can learn and grow and take steps into who God has called them to be. Some of the greatest corporations in America, the reasons they're great, I'm going to use a business illustration here, is because they have massive research and development departments. They spend so much time and energy just on trial and error, big failures. Let's try this. Oh, that didn't work. Let's try this. Oh, that didn't work. Let's try this. Oh, that didn't work. Let's try this. And the iPhone was born. See what I'm saying? You think the iPhone was born day one? See, if we as Christians somehow put ourselves on this, sort of in our minds even, this thing that we have to be perfect and we have to get it right every time, we have to nail it the first time out of the gate. We don't. God does not wait until we've arrived to activate our spiritual gifts. No one has all of the gifts. I love this. One of the things I've learned in my marriage to Abby is when we see things differently, which we often do, we're we're in many ways very different, But when we see things differently, and oftentimes I do not even, I'm like, how do you even see it that way? But as I sit there and listen and seek to understand, I have never once, never once, not been able to understand her perspective and value it and respect it and even go, wow, that might have more validity than my perspective. But if you don't come to the table seeking sort of to understand and with the recognition that not one of us has all the gifts. That's why God created the body. It's so beautiful because we can't do it without each other. It's this dependence that's built in. It's this automatic equalizer. It creates humility because Michael can't do it alone. Because we need the body. We need each other. None of us can do it alone. You know, if I held up a coin, and I walked over to Dean and I held up a coin and he described the tail side of the coin and I described the head side of the coin. Are we describing the same thing? Yeah. Do our descriptions match? Not a bit. Not one of us has it all. And if we can't create a culture where we're able to see and respect and listen and understand others' perspectives, and then give grace as we all learn to walk in our unique giftings. We won't succeed as a church. And you flip that over. If we can create that culture where we can walk together and do life together and fail together and take risks together and learn to walk in the Spirit together, I think we can have such an impact on this little city. Lastly, before we jump into some of the specific gifts The gifts and the calling of the Lord are irrevocable. If you're taking notes, write this one down. The gifts and the calling of the Lord are irrevocable. 
That's how you can see someone who is living a life with subpar character or substandard fruit of the Spirit. I'm talking about Galatians 5.22 there, love, joy, peace, patience, etc. That's how you can see somebody who has a substantial call and a substantial gifting, and it's still activated. It's still working in their lives, even though their fruit or their character maybe doesn't match it. I've struggled with that. I'm like, well, that doesn't matter. They didn't earn that. They didn't, you know. That's not the way God works. Gifting and calling are irrevocable. But the anointing of God and the presence of God flows based on our relationship with the Holy Spirit. The anointing of God and the presence of God is going to flow daily based on our relationship with the Holy Spirit in us. All right, I want to jump in and I want to talk about some specific giftings. And uh, I'm going to start at some of the easier giftings. I'm going to move towards some of the more difficult giftings. And for a lot of you, you know this already. It's going to be a review. Maybe some of it won't be. But I want all of us, as we're going through this, just to be thinking, Lord, Lord, what are my giftings? What am I uniquely called to do? Caleb, will you throw that uh, slide up for me? The first thing, uh, and basically what I did is I, I see, give or take, 18 spiritual gifts coming out of Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4. So I've just kind of taken those. There's a beautiful gift of administration. In my life, I won't do anything without an administrator. I need someone who can help me with all of the details. It's like, oh my goodness, the details are so, so important. Group leadership, group dynamics. A weakness potentially in a person with the administrative gifting is that they could put the details ahead of the relationship. You know what I'm talking about? It's okay. All of us have great strengths. And they're all weaknesses that accompany our great strengths. And the faster we get the message that not one of us has it all, the better we will do together as a body. The next one I want to touch on is a gift of leadership. It's a profound gift. It's uh, knowledge as a result of, of uh, I don't know, it's, it's really administrating, but it's with a higher focus probably on relationships. It's the ability to lead a group of people. It's the ability to understand maybe where God has called them and to lead them down that path. The next one we have is a gift of knowledge. Now you get into a little bit more of the, the supernatural or even the prophetic here, a word of knowledge, a gift of knowledge. And that knowledge can be a result of experience, but it can also be that the Holy Spirit literally drops a piece of knowledge into someone's spirit and they're able to look at someone and speak it to them. God might give me a word for Kyle and I speak it to him. It's supernatural knowledge. And honestly, around here, if we're going to move in this as a family, it's going to require that we have that kind of both courage, but also the grace to learn to ride the bike. The grace to fail. I think a person with a gift of knowledge could tend to be a know-it-all at times. That could be a weakness. Uh, next, you have apostleship. Now, I'm not going to dig too deep into this. And, and uh, Dad last week talked about the gifts out of Ephesians, more the offices. And I'm not going to dice this too closely other than to say it is no doubt that there were 12 early apostles. Paul was added uh, to that. Those guys were uniquely gifted, called to write Scripture. That's gone. That's done. The canon of Scripture is closed. It's like the Bible is completed. And in that sense, apostleship no longer exists. But in the sense that apostleship is a gift, it does rest on people. It's very entrepreneurial. They see the big picture, visionary leaders. 
The downside of an apostle is they can lose the immediate relational need or immediate need on someone. They can lose that in sight of the bigger picture, the bigger vision, the bigger need that they see. Apostles should never function without a pastor. The next one I want to touch on is the gift of discernment. Discernment can be direct revelation on what's going on in a person's life with little or no knowledge of it. We might call that like gut intuition or a feeling. I believe that's the Holy Spirit speaking into our hearts. Or He's giving you discernment. Now, if you're a person who has a high gift of discernment, here might be a little sign of it. You might at times see so clearly you get a little judgmental. Because you just see what's going on. Oh my goodness, I see what's going on there. That's a person with a gift of discernment. It's just gotten in the flesh a little bit. You just get that back in the spirit. And that person has the ability to see and to speak clearly and to help someone through a difficult or challenging spot. Such a valuable, valuable gift. We have the gift of mercy. That's deep, heartfelt compassion for people and their circumstances. I mean, this is someone who is able to just reach through and touch someone where they are Talk about what they're going through. A person, people with mercy gifts are so, so valuable. You know, probably a downside or a a developmental area would be they could enable people to stay in the place that they're in if they don't have someone exhorting them to move past it. That's how we need each other. It really is so beautiful the way God set it up. We have evangelism. Beautiful gift. It's a focus on winning the lost. Everything is outward focused. It's all about getting out and reaching people and touching them. A person with evangelism has such powerful, powerful gifting, so essential to the body of Christ, and yet they could probably have a risk of thinking that is the highest goal in the Christian life. Just part of the, part of the journey, part of the package. Next we have a gift that I think we call exhortation. That's a person who's called to uplift the body of Christ, to fulfill their destiny, his or her destiny. They're called to speak to people and admonish or exhort them. I think a person with exhortation could at times see the glass as half empty. They could become brittle if they're in the flesh, get sort of frustrated with where the church is or with a person. And you have a person who has a gift of a pastor or a shepherd. I, I am not a believer that this is just for men, by the way. I think women are also called a pastor and a shepherd. I don't think it means you're just occupationally hired. I think there's people who have giftings to pastor and shepherd and lead that are not going to be paid. In fact, they probably do it more powerful than those of us who are paid. But that's a person who's able to humbly teach and guide, protect, and lead people. You know, I think a a weakness in a pastor or a shepherd is they might find it hard to make difficult leadership decisions out of love for a person or people. They could lose the big picture over the needs of a few. Next, we have the gift of wisdom. This has some prophetic inclination on it as well. If you have the gift of wisdom, it's the ability to apply the biblical truths into someone's life. Look into their life and speak that biblical truth. Get them to apply it. Next, we have the gift of teaching. Teaching is an outstanding gift. It's, a, it's the ability to expound the Word, to instruct and instill doctrine, to make complex biblical truths very simple and very palatable, very digestible. We also have giving. Oops. Where are we going? 
Giving is someone who is blessed to be a blessing. They'll often take their shirt off their back. They're so joyful and fulfilled when they're able to give. Then we have serving and ministering. They're going to serve and they're going to love through practical ministry. I think a, a risk here is you can wear yourself out if you're a service person. You can wear yourself out. You can even become embittered and go, where is everybody else? Why am I the only one serving? Some of you know that. Next, we have a gift of faith. And I kind of saved some of the more supernatural sort of gifts uh, for the end. They're all supernatural. But some of the ones where you see the supernatural most clearly because I want to talk about them in a little greater depth. But faith is supernatural confidence in God and His promises. I've talked to people who are really walking in a gift of faith and at times it can feel like, are you in touch with reality? I mean, do you... I do. I mean, this is a this is a big thing you're you know you're facing or you're going through, and and yet they're totally in the spirit, walking in faith. They're just confident. It's a great, great gift. I mean, it's beautiful. Not this should not be confused with saving faith, which all of us as believers have. Um, I think this person could tend to look down on others who don't carry the same magnitude of faith. You know, they're just going to see all problems as these great opportunities for God to show up. You know, it's really, really beautiful, beautiful gift. Next, we have miracles. Miracles reveal the presence and the glory of God. Those with these gifts have a heightened sensitivity to the presence of God through the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, miracles, and we could even tie this in um, with healing. I think healing's down on my list, but I want to go ahead and talk about it. There's gifts of miraculous healing that we struggle with in our culture. I've struggled with. And yet I know people that have been healed. And yet I know that God doesn't heal everyone. That's really hard for me. And yet when I read Scripture, you see Jesus who walks through crowds and certain people are healed, and yet what you read between the lines is He walked by a lot of sick people that didn't get healed. That's hard for me. Why isn't it fair? I don't know. You know, I was reflecting this morning and um, something recently that was hard for me was um, losing Larry Lennon. Just a, just a hero. I've known, I've known Larry since I was a, a little guy, and Patsy walks, and Larry walks so um, powerfully with God. And that, that, if there's any couple that like, has, has seen the presence and power of God move in their lives, it's them. Patsy, are you in here today? May not be. But that was hard for me. God could have healed Larry, and let, yet he chose not to. Or he, he, he did not heal Larry. He called Larry home. But does that mean we throw the baby out with the bathwater and stop praying for healing? No. You know, something that's, that's hard for me also is you have young leaders who, or, or young people who all of a sudden grab onto the truth that God heals. And they're going to go around and pray for everyone. And almost one of the silent prerequisites that I've begun to build in my heart is before you're going to re- be released to move in the miraculous in upfront ministry, you need to walk with someone who's not been healed. You need to walk in someone's shoes. You need to walk beside someone who did not get that healing. And how do we balance that tension between God heals and yet not always? I don't know. I know we stand on the truth that God is so good. He is good. Even when we don't totally comprehend it with our mind. We have a little girl that's a type 1 diabetic. We're up most nights checking blood sugars. He hasn't healed her. Are we going to stop praying for that healing? No. 
But in the meantime, we keep her blood sugar meter there, we keep her insulin pump on, and we keep living. God is a God who heals, and there's some of us in our midst who have been given this unique gift of healing and, and miracles, and I think we as believers need to be encouraging them to step out and be activated in your gift, lay hands on the sick, pray for people to be healed, and some are going to be healed. God has called us, I believe, as a church to see this gift activated. We also have the gift of prophecy. This is this gift here in recent times, at not only at Myrtle Grove, but in all churches, has sort of taken on almost a spooky connotation. Prophecy, you know. <laughs> and yet the, the New Testament version of prophecy is really simple. It's 1 Corinthians 14, uh, 3, and now, oh, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians yeah, 14, 3. But those who prophesy speak to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. I would not walk out of here and tell somebody on the street, hey, I prophesied to somebody at church today. But when I looked at David, did I strengthen him? Yeah. Did I encourage him? Did I comfort him? Does it matter what we call it? I mean, honestly, as believers, I think every one of us is called to go through our daily lives. And when we come together on Sunday, when we see each other midweek, is to look at them and speak to them. Chris, I am so proud of you for the decisions you've made over the last two years. I am so proud of you that, to see God deliver you one year, to deliver you from what He's delivered you from. That's edifying each other. That's encouraging each other. And somehow we as believers get so stuck in our navel-gazing, almost narcissistic ways that we can't even see what God is doing in the people around us. He has called us to be a church that constantly edifies, encourages, and strengthens. You call it whatever you want to call it. The Bible calls it prophecy. Strengthen, encourage, and comfort. I don't want to get too much into this, but if you got into my story, my life was wrecked for a seven-year period over false prophetic direction. And I have wanted to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I have fought this one because Abby and I are still dealing with the pain and the scars of my decisions that were made out of, quote, prophetic counsel. We're still dealing with it. But I have committed, we have committed to go, you know what? It is in the Bible. God has called us to it. I have searched the Scriptures. There's not even one Scripture I can find that would even give me an inch to say that these gifts have ceased to operate in our day. They have not ceased. What gets me, my problem, is not the gifts. My problem is the divisiveness with, with which immature believers walk in those gifts. But that comes back to grace. Are we going to be that culture that allows people to learn to walk in their gifting are we going to let people crash their bicycle and help them clean up their scraped knee put a band-aid on it help them back on their bike and help them learn to ride that's the kind of church that god's called us to be that's the kind of church that i want to be a part of i think a weakness of the prophetic gift as you can see very black and white. And sometimes a prophetic person can come off negative. They can maybe shine through in their, quote, words, a, a, even a political agenda, or they can be frustrated with something and they can build out a word, you know, out of their frustration instead of out of love. 
think of this a second. I believe that God has called us always to edify and encourage and strengthen when we're sharing prophetically with people. So let's say I'm hanging out with somebody, and let's say I get a supernatural sense or revelation in my spirit that this person's struggling with pornography. I have two options. I can take number one and go, God has called you to give up this life of pornography. He has called you to give up this life of sin. He has called you to repent. I can take this option. Hey, brother, I have this um, just sense that God has called you to an increased intimacy with him. I believe that God has called you to walk more deeply with him. I believe God wants to do some powerful things in your life. And as a result of that, I think he's going to be increasing your purity and your walk, your integrity, your inner person with your outer person, your congruence. See how I I took the same basic word that God was giving me and instead of delivering it with anger or I'm looking down at someone or I'm condemning someone, I'm going to speak it with encouragement, strengthening, and comfort. That's the way prophecy should be used. And if anyone gets outside of those bounds, we should help correct them back into it. There's another way that you can do this. You can even use encouragement, strengthening, and comforting in your marriages, with your kids, with your grandkids. We ought to be people who are declaring things over our families, over each other. But the word prophecy has gotten some weird connotations as of late. I wish it didn't have. It grieves my heart. But I believe God has called us to operate powerfully in it. The next one I jumped ahead and talked about already was healing. Uh, The next one, the last one I want to talk about is tongues and interpretation of tongues. This is another one of the just really challenging things. It's been so divisive in the church. There's been so many churches that have even split over it. It's it's so uh, grieving to me. And I would say a couple things about it. Not every believer is going to receive this gift. And there's some difference between tongues and a personal prayer language. I'm not going to dig too deeply into that. But the gift of tongues is not a requirement or a necessary sign of salvation. 1 Corinthians 12.30 if you want to look it up. Now, I think it is available to all of us. Tongues can be a human language such as those heard in Acts 2, but often may be languages that no one understands. 1 Corinthians 14.2. I'm not going to go there, but if you want to look it up, please do. Uh, Tongues are not like ecstatic speech, but they should always be orderly and they should be able to be controlled by the one speaking. Always orderly. God is always, the Holy Spirit is really a gentleman. He's orderly in the way that He does things. It should not create disruption and chaos. No tongue should be spoken in the church gathering without interpretation. And 1 Corinthians 14.39 says very clearly that tongues should not be forbidden. I've been to Pastor Jim and Steve on one occasion. I was like, is this helping us? Is this edifying us? And I had to sort of repent and go through the Scriptures and go, okay, God has called us to be a full gospel church. Doesn't mean we need to be weird. But if it's in the Bible, I want to read it and I want to do what it says. See, I believe God has called us here at Myrtle Grove to be a Word and Spirit church where the gifts of the Spirit flow. And you may be like me, and you may have despised a gift. You may have despised several gifts. And you may need to repent. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. This has been a hard journey for me. You could ask those closest to me. But I want to invite Dean back up and his team. And I'm not going to go through these, 
But I'm going to ask them to do a closing song for us. And I want you just to reflect. You go wherever the Holy Spirit leads you to go. But some questions are, and I'll email you the document, but do you know what your spiritual gifts are? If you're like me, maybe you've despised some of the gifts of the Spirit. And God would call you just to say, Lord Jesus, would you forgive me? Maybe you've seen younger Christians walk in them in an immature way or an ugly way, even an offensive way, and you've thrown out the baby with the bathwater. I think I'd also ask you, are you eagerly desiring the gifts? And are you using the gifts in your daily life? So as we worship, I just invite you to reflect. You can stand, you can sit, you can come up here and kneel. But let's all authentically cry out to the Lord Jesus that He would meet with us and He would begin to do something supernatural, not just in our hearts, but in our families and in our city.
worship here. Let's just stand and we'll be dismissed. Some of our ministry team, if you'd make yourselves available. Father, we thank you that you've called us to be a people who are growing, giving, serving, and moving by your Spirit. God, would you release fresh anointing upon each one of us individually and families. Lord, thank you for each person here. God, continue to stir us, stir up the gifts that are in us. We might become even more viable, more relevant, more effective in accomplishing the work of your kingdom. We give you praise today and we give you thanks. In the name of Jesus and everybody sing. Amen. If you'd like special prayer, feel free to come and just linger. Worship, pray for one another if that seems right for you. God has gifted each one of us. Have a wonderful day today in Jesus.